Welcome to the Pomona Christian Church Podcast. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at PomonaChristian.com or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen or looked at a list of government agencies, but the list of government agencies and and groups is pretty much endless. And this is one I actually saw in South Carolina that I came across. And it is the South Carolina Office of Elevators and Amusement Rides. Now, that sounds kind of, you know, I don't know if there, these were two separate departments. And, then, you know, there were, you had the Department of Elevators, and then you had the Department of Amusement Rides, and there was a budget cut, and so they fused them together but it's kind of weird to think that the guy that decides this roller coaster at 80 miles per hour is safe is the same guy who says, yeah, this elevator, that, that's good. You know, they ought to enjoy this. They'll get in a line for miles to ride this elevator. You know, you don't know, but it seems like quite a contrast where you have the guy who says an elevator is safe is the same guy who says a, a roller coaster is safe. And in Luke chapter 18, and that's where we'll be this morning, uh, Luke used, shares a story, a parable that Jesus told to illustrate how we should pray. And Jesus uses contrast in this chapter to illustrate two important things about prayer that will impact how we pray. And so here's one thing we have to look at is how do we know God hears us? I think that's a a big question. And if you look at pagan religions, they would often do things to to try to earn or to deserve uh, God's attention. And so if you can look in, uh, we looked at a text briefly last week, Elijah, when he was with the prophets of Baal and the fire came and it consumed the altar, uh, but the prophets of Baal were trying to get their God's attention and they were screaming, they were yelling, they were carrying on. It says they were even cutting themselves because they thought that Baal would then hear their prayers and answer them. But that's not what we have to do to get God's attention. And that's the great thing, that God always ready to listen. You don't have to be anywhere special in life. There's not some elite level of faith you have to attain before you can pray or before God will hear you. That God is ready and God is always listening. It says in Psalm 55, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and He hears my voice. So we have that assurance that no matter where we're at, no matter who we are, God can hear that God listens. But why prayer? Why is that so important? Well, that's one of our opportunities to talk to God. Just as in His Word and through the Spirit, we can hear God lead us and guide us and instruct us on how to live for Him. But prayer is our opportunity to share what's on our heart, to share what's on our mind, to communicate with God, but also even in prayer, we can sense God's leading. As I said last week, it's often in prayer that I can sort through my motives as I'm talking to God and see, is this really for His glory or is this really something that I want that's good for me? But what it boils down to is it's a relationship. In any relationship, there has to be communication. So in this, Jesus teaches by way of a picture. And so he teaches these two important things. And so let's 
Let's read uh, verses 1 through 8 in chapter 18. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith... On the earth. So, very powerful teaching. And Luke does something differently. He gives the point of the parable right away. He says that Jesus told them this to illustrate, to explain why they should pray and never give up. So, why we should pray and never give up. That give up is, is a word that means to be discouraged, to lose heart. And maybe you've prayed about something before. And you prayed and prayed, and you never felt that God answered it or did what you asked, and eventually you become discouraged. Maybe you lost heart and you quit praying for that. And it's nice to know as we read this, he tells us that because he understands. You know, I've been in that spot before where I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for something and there was no answer. It wasn't answered the way I wanted or it wasn't answered in the time frame I wanted. So I finally gave up. I, I was, you know, not angry at God in general, but in this area, uh, I was upset. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to ask anymore. But fortunately, there were people who were praying for us. And when we were first married, and for many, many years, we were trying to have a child, but we couldn't for whatever reason. And, and that prayer was not being answered and went through the, the silence, went through times of, of disappointment, and I'd finally had it, and I had said, I'm done praying. But we had a friend who, who made a card that had this very passage on it and handed it out to other people in the church and other of our friends so that they would pray for us. And, and fortunately, they did because God did answer that prayer. And it wasn't in our time frame, and it wasn't in how we expected. But God is faithful, and it was a great example, and I'm so thankful that others didn't give up when I did. But why does He say to do it this way, to always pray and not give up? I think there are several reasons. One is it deepens our faith to continually come before God to show that trust, even though we're not getting the answers, even though... It's not in our time frame. It shows that really we know it, it's not up to us, that God has a time frame. God has an answer. God knows what's good, but we keep bringing it to Him. It's also a test of our faith to see if we will continue to reveal our faith. And it shows us that God does have a timetable that we may not recognize. But I think one of the big things is this, when He works and He answers it, we will recognize it. I think God does so much that we fail to recognize because we're not praying about it. We're not asking for it. We're so secure in what we have. We really don't worry about what we're going to eat 
today after church. We don't worry about what we're going to eat this week, so we don't even think to ask God for it. And so we maybe don't even see that as a blessing that He provides. We kind of think maybe we did that, but things can change overnight. And so it's important to remember to pray and never give up. And Jesus took time to specifically teach that. And so in this text, He uses these two characters to provide a contrast with, with real life. And the first is this guy, the judge, and he's a contrast with God. And what we know about the judge is of the two greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God and to love others as yourself, he doesn't care about either. And he doesn't really care that he grants justice. He just doesn't care. And then there's the widow, and she's a contrast with us. That in that day and age, widows were often overlooked. They really had no influence, no power, no reason a judge would intercede on their behalf because it wouldn't do any good for him. So he could just ignore this widow. But she goes to the judge over and over with her persistence. And because she's just going to annoy him to the point of annoyance, he's going to give her justice. Now, I know as parents, one of the things you learn is to be consistency, be consistent, to do what you say you're going to do. And so you never cave to your kids. So I know most parents in here have never caved to their kids because of persistence. They're just that battering ram that keeps going and you've never said, you know what? Fine. The peace and quiet is more important than any life lesson I can teach at this point. You know, I, I will admit, I knew those principles, but boy, when the battering ram of, of pestering came along, I, I could cave and give in. And that's what he's saying the judge did, that he's going to be so annoyed that he would just grant her justice to get her to stop asking. And that's how God describes how we should pray. But notice what he says, and I think here Jesus is using humor. The judge says about himself, you know, when you see... That like anybody would announce this, even though I don't care about God, I don't fear God, I don't care about people, you know, the judge can say, basically, I'm a big jerk that doesn't care about anything, but I'm going to grant her justice. And that's what Jesus says. Listen to what he says. Here's, here's the point, that, that the judge doesn't care and God is loving, that the judge doesn't follow God's will. He's unrighteous, that God is perfectly righteous, perfectly good, and can give us what's good. The judge is unjust, and God is just. And on a contrast, where a widow might be disconnected from family and ignored as as believers, she's contrasted with us when we follow Jesus, that we are part of God's chosen people, that we are part of God's family, saying, so if this unjust judge grants this widow justice because of her continual coming to him with prayer, how much more do you think your heavenly Father will grant you if you're in his family? But notice what he says. It doesn't mean we don't have to come and come back. We have to keep coming back, but God will do what's right. And so if the lowest, most unimportant received justice from a bad judge, how much more will God do for us? So that's an encouragement. No matter what you're praying for, don't give up. And sometimes over time you see that God has something better. 
But he closes with this statement, and it's very interesting in where it is. He says, however, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? And I kind of wonder why this fits there, and I think, will he find the faith that even seeks him, that comes to him in prayer for what we need, or will we be so self-sufficient and think we're in control that we don't even seek what God wants? So so that's the first principle to pray and don't give up, persistence in prayer. The second thing is this, and he uses contrast again as we go to verse 9. It's a real view of ourselves, and what that's called is humility. So persistence, and then humility, and it says, to some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. So this is interesting that Jesus isn't necessarily communicating this to his disciples. Now he's going to those who were pretty confident that they were good people. And in fact, they weren't just good. They were gooder than most so that they were better. And it says in verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. And we looked at this briefly last week. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So here are two characters again. And to Jesus' audience, this would have been shocking. It almost would have been something that they really couldn't believe, especially the ones he's teaching, the ones who think they're good enough. You see, by all appearances, the good guy and the heroes were the Pharisees. They were the ones trying to get everybody to do the right thing. They were the ones who followed the rules. And they had a whole book of rules on top of Scripture that explained the rules. And those rules were equal to Scripture. So they had their own separate book equal to Scripture that had all the rules, and they followed it. They dressed right. They were usually successful, intelligent. Everybody looked up to them. They were patriotic. They looked up. They looked after Israel, and they wanted to get rid of the Romans. And then you have the tax collectors. You know, nobody's going to like a tax collector no matter how nice they are. I'm sorry. Nobody is going to like a tax collector. But then when you consider that they were traitors, that they were taking your money and giving it to the enemy to help them stay there, they were despised. And so the story that the best people in society don't make it and the tax collector goes home justified would absolutely make no sense. But he goes in, it's self-explanatory, he shows the wrong attitude in that first, uh, the wrong attitude is pride or arrogance as if we deserve for God to answer this or somehow we can earn God's favor to answer our prayer that we could somehow be good enough. And I've heard that, God, I did this and I did this and God didn't answer my prayer. And I heard about a woman that set an appointment with the, the pastor Uh, of her church one day because she was really struggling. And she came in and met and she struggled. And she said, you know, I'm really struggling with pride. 
I know that I'm very attractive, and I really admire my good looks, and I look around at other people, and I kind of think, thank heavens I'm not them, and I know this is the, the sin of pride, and I'm really struggling with that, and so can you help me with this, this sin? And he goes, you really think you're better looking than everybody else? She goes, oh, yes. He says, okay, that's not a sin. That's a mistake. <laughs> you know, when we think we can impress God that somehow we're good, that we've earned something, that we're so much better than other people, it's, it's a mistake. You know, we may feel pride, we may feel like we're doing better, but really, it all comes down to God's grace, that none of us can have any standing with God, can deserve any answer to prayer. It only comes by God's grace, in spite of who we are, not because of who we are. I mean, look at the Pharisee. He's not even really praying. He's talking about himself. He's commending himself to God. I, I was reading this. That's kind of a backhanded thanksgiving, like, hey, God, I'm so glad I'm so great and wonderful, and really, thanks for nothing. I did it all myself. You know, this, this, this is how good I am. He's praying about himself. And pride is an attitude that God detests, that Scripture is clear. In fact, in James 4, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, it's different for us as Christians because we understand grace. And if we understand Scripture, we would probably never say what the Pharisee said, well, thankful I'm not like them. You know, I do this, I do that. I'm better, but we've probably looked at social media and th thought, boy, look at them. I I'm glad I'm where I'm at. Th there are people we probably think that we are better than, that it's a natural attitude that we can get, even though we can understand that we're only saved by grace, that, that we're sinners too, that it's only because God gave us a gift through Jesus Christ on the cross that we can be saved, not because we've earned it or we're better. And, and here's how we can see ways we can be like the Pharisees, that we can really have pride and maybe not notice it. One is the focus on externals. We look at the stuff that we can see. In fact, when uh, God was anointing David as king of Israel, he told uh, the prophet Samuel, don't look at his outward appearance. He said, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. God can see the whole picture. We can see what people do. We don't know really what always happens. That we can start to love rules and doing the right thing more than maybe serving others or, or truly relying on God. We can maybe follow the rules and do things pretty well, but not really depend on God and feel like we've accomplished something. And that's another thing. We can think or feel like somehow we're better than other people rather than understand and be grateful for the grace that God has shown us. Like this story that's told about Harry Truman when he became president, and the Speaker of the House was a man named Sam Rayburn. And he went to Harry when he became president, and he said this to Harry. He said, from here on out, you're going to have lots of people around you. They'll try to put up a wall around you and cut you off from any ideas but theirs. They'll tell you what a great man you are, Harry, but you and I both know you ain't. You know, when we, when we pray, we have to remember who we really 
are. And the only standing we have by God is because it's in spite of us. It's because of what Jesus did for us on the cross that through His blood that we can be cleansed, we can be forgiven, but not because of anything that we could do. So the right attitude He shows is humility. And that's really a heart. An attitude is something out of the heart, which is what God is concerned with. You know, the man saw himself for what he was. He saw himself clearly. He wouldn't stand near anybody else. He understood his faults, and he asked for God's forgiveness. He asked for mercy. And Jesus said, he went home justified. That word means to be made right before God, to be in a good standing, which implies the Pharisee didn't because he saw what he did as deserving of God's mercy and grace and forgiveness. In fact, the tax collector felt too unworthy to even be near the rest, and you can see his grief, you can see his repentance and his sorrow for the things that he has done in his life. But the Pharisee had no room, and even pointed to that man as an example of somebody he is not like, when in actuality, that's who he should have desired to be like in his attitude. One of my favorite Christian artists, especially when I was young and growing up, and he wrote the song, it's famous a long time ago, Awesome God was a man named Rich Mullins. And Rich Mullins, even though he was a Christian musician and he led worship, was often, he, he was admitted a lot of his struggles, he was open about them, that he wasn't perfect. In fact, he had a lot of failings. But he wrote a lyric that I have always loved. And he says this, if I stand, let me stand on the promise that you'll pull me through. But if I fall, let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you. So either way, he needs God's strength that he says, if I'm standing, let me stand on the promise that you'll help me continue to stand to pull through. Don't let me become proud of myself or where I'm at. And if I fall, let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you. That wherever we're at, we need grace. And it takes humility to continually realize that we haven't arrived, that we need grace just as everybody else needs grace. So let me encourage you, one act of humility is prayer, is to realize that we aren't good enough, that we don't deserve it, that we can't provide it on our own, that we are always dependent on God, and that anything we do have ultimately still from him. So again, the point of this series is if you really don't pray or you don't know how to is to help you. And this is one thing we talked about last week that I want to emphasize again, a way we can pray. And you can write this down in your notes, but it's an acronym for pray. The P is for pause, that it takes a time where we set things aside and just spend time with God talking to him. There's a time for a pause. The R is rejoice that we praise God, we worship Him for who He is. Just as we sing, we, we can say those things. We also thank Him for what He has done. And then there's ask. We ask Him the requests, and we ask, Jesus says in His name, we're going to cover that later, what that really means. But we pour out any request to God and lay that at His feet. And then the why is yield. That if there, there's a sin we're struggling with, we confess it, we give it to Him. That if there's some area that God is prompting us to move or do, we, we submit to His will and we lay everything ultimately 
entrusting in His goodness for us. And that's one reason we take the Lord's Supper every week, that the Lord's Supper is a meal of thanksgiving. It reminds us of God's goodness, that to do what's ultimately best for us, that God sent His Son to die on the cross in our place so that we could have that standing of righteousness. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at PomonaChristian.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian.